So we will continue this morning uh, in our study from the book of Colossians. Uh, When we left off last, Paul had told us that we need to put off, uh, to put off the old self, to put off, basically he was using the picture of of a set of clothes, that that we were uh, to, to remove the old self, to remove these these clothes that, that were filthy and, and, and rotten and, and just dirty, but not just to remove them, but to cast them away from us. I was talking to a, a friend recently who I hadn't seen in a while, um, and he, he was sharing with me that his sons were now working in the sewage department for JEA, and that one of them, his wife, his, his job was as such that his wife made him undress in the yard before he could come in the house. Because you can imagine, if you're working in a sewage plant, you might not want to bring that in the house with you. So he, he had to remove those clothing and, and, and put it away from him. And, and it, that is a picture of us putting off the old self. That that, that old self was, was that disgusting. And not only do we shed it, but we put it far from us. But, if you think about it, it's not enough just to put off that old clothing. It's not enough to just, to just take that off and cast it away because we find ourselves naked, cold. So we need to put on something new. We, we need to put on the new that for those of us who are in Christ that God has given us. Otherwise, those old nasty clothes start to look pretty good. You know, they, they were comfortable. I, I don't know, most men in the room will, will be able to, to share this story with me, that you have an old t-shirt, you have an old piece of clothing, something that you have held on to for, I don't know, forever. I had a, a Journey concert t-shirt that I got and, and just right there, y'all already know where I'm going. It was like 1980. And up until just, I can't, you know, not too long ago, I managed to hold on to this shirt. You know, and, and then one day it was just gone. I can't even imagine what happened to it. But in my closet, there are, are, are things that, you know, I, I just can't let go of. There are things that I haven't worn and I can't remember when, but you look at that shirt, and and it may be either a concert t-shirt or an event shirt or just something, and you think about, man, I remember when I got that shirt. You know, and and that shirt, it's comfortable and it was a part of us, but if we're not careful, that old self that that God has delivered us from, that, that God has set us free from that old life, if we're not careful, it starts to look comfortable. Because we haven't put on the new self. We haven't put on this new life that he has given us. This, this new set of clothes that he offers us. So that old stuff starts looking pretty good. You know, it, it, it smelled bad. And it was pretty nasty and funky. But it was comfortable. You know, and, and it kept us, you know, warm sometimes. So we, we need to understand that, that Paul, as he transitions into this next set of verses, that he's telling us that we are to put on something new. And not necessarily that it's brand new. Um, My wife loves to thrift store shop. 
you know, and, and praise the Lord, my wife could care less about them all. Thank you, Jesus, that my wife could care less about them all. She'd rather go to Plato's Closet or the Goodwill store or, or something like that. And, and it, for her, it's like a treasure hunt. You know, she goes in and, and, and she just finds, and then she, she comes home and she's like, oh, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got. And there's a, this, this thrift store fashion show breaks out in our living room. And I have to sit there. Outfit after outfit after outfit. But then comes the best part. She goes, and I only spent $20. And I go, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But she's comfortable in those clothes. They're not necessarily new. And you might even consider that, that they're a type of a hand-me-down. But you know the good news about this new that, that Paul is telling us to put on? It's Jesus' hand-me-downs. Priestly robes. And they fit you and I who have, who have given up the old self, who have surrendered to Christ, who have accepted Him as our Savior, that have been born again. They fit perfectly. Thrift store clothes don't always fit just right. But the royal priestly robes that Christ has given you and I fit us perfectly. Let's look and see what those are. We're in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And Paul says, put on. We have cast off so that, that we don't Start looking back and going, mm, you know, maybe that, you know, that was pretty, maybe I'll go, no. He says, put on something new. And he said, put on then as God's chosen ones. That's good news right there, y'all. We are his chosen ones. You have to understand that he was speaking to a Gentile church. You know, the, the Jews had put a, a, a lot of stipulations on the church at Colossae, the, the Colossians, that, you know, Christ was good and, and you needed Christ, but you also needed circumcision, or you also needed to follow these Jewish laws, or you also had to, to do this or to do that. But Paul says, you are chosen. That's enough. You have been chosen by the Creator of heaven and earth. And for those who are in Christ, that's who you are. Chosen ones. I don't care what this world says about you. God says that you are chosen. And not only that, that you are holy. I don't know about y'all, but I can look back at my week last week, and it wasn't a, I don't, there ain't a whole lot of holy. That person cut me off in traffic... I didn't think nice things about that person. And, and, and just, just other things that, that, that go on every day that, that our reaction sometimes isn't what it should be. But, but that's not what Christ sees. It's not what, what God sees. What He sees is He sees holy. Because He chose you. We cannot be holy in and of ourselves, but because we are His chosen ones, we are holy. He sees us that way. He does not see our issues. He does not see our mistakes. He sees holy and 
beloved. This world will beat you to a pulp. It will make you feel unloved. God's word says that for those of us who are in Christ, it doesn't matter how you feel or how this world treats you, you are the beloved. That is who you are, Christian. The beloved. And don't let anybody tell you any different. And if they treat you any differently, look past that person and see the one behind it. The evil one. That's trying to mess you up. You are holy and you are beloved. Why? Because God says so. And that's enough for me. It says God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And here's what we're to put on. And one thing that, that we need to note as we look at these things, that each one of these virtues that he speaks about have to do with relationships, human relationships. He doesn't mention anything about the virtues of cleverness or of studiousness or diligence or any of these things that in and of themselves are not bad, but understand that the virtues that represent our Savior, the the virtues that He has given us, that reveal Christ to others, all have to do with how we treat one another, with our relationships. He says, put on then compassionate hearts. Compassion. Now, that's not one of my spiritual gifts. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Compassion sometimes comes hard. But he says to put on compassionate hearts. And and really, compassion is to be able to understand, to be able to minister to another person who's going through a difficult time. And understand this, and this is sometimes where it's hard for me with compassion. It doesn't matter sometimes whether they got themselves into that situation or not. We can still be compassionate. We can be stern, but yet compassionate. You know, God doesn't let everything slide in our lives. He is a faithful Father, and and, and He will uh, admonish us. And sometimes we need to compassionately admonish someone. But we need to be compassionate with everyone. We need to be compassionate to, to show love to those who are going through difficult situations. Everyone in, the, in, in some way, shape, or form or another has difficulty in our lives. We need to have compassion for one another. That our hearts go out, that our heart breaks for our brothers and our sisters when they're going through difficult situations. To be compassionate. Sometimes sternly compassionate, but yet compassionate nonetheless. Kindness, humility, and meekness, I think they all kind of go together. Humility is kind of the parent. Excuse me, kindness is the parent of humility and meekness. Meekness, in a way that that how we treat other people. I think that, that meekness is our actions towards other people, and humility is our reactions towards other people. And Meekness says that I don't try to control you. Even if I have that, that power or that place 
of authority over you that I don't try to, to control you or to make you to do or to coerce you for my own end. Meekness comes from humility. To be meek to one another. To have another person's good greater than your own. And humility in how we react to another person. I, I talk to people all the time and, and, and I wish I could had a, a nickel for every time somebody started out a conversation with that person, that individual. You just don't know what that individual did to me. You don't know what that person said to me. Well, you know what? I don't. But here's what I do know. There's not a thing you can do about that person. Not a single thing. We cannot affect how another person treats us in almost any situation. You know what you do have power over? How you react. How you treat that person. How you respond to that person. No matter what they've done to you. But that has to come out of humility. To humble ourselves. Meekness and humility come from kindness. And kindness is... is Having another person's good greater than your own. You think about that. If we're to be kind to someone, we're to think, you know, their good is greater than my own. It is the word Christotes. And it is the same word that is used when Jesus said that my yoke is easy. My yoke is kindness. Think about the kindness of Jesus Christ towards you and I. The kindness that led him to the cross. That he cared about us. That, that he cared about us greater than himself. And went to the cross for you and I. That's kindness. And out of kindness comes meekness. That I'm not going to, to try to, to gain anything from you. But, but understand that meekness also, and, and you, you'll hear this. You know, I may be a Christian, but I'm not a doormat. Meekness to a point. Meek to a point that you consider others greater than yourself, but not to the point that you let somebody run over you or do something that would harm you. Understand that, that, that meekness should be a part of our life. As, as a follower of Jesus Christ, just think of His meekness. Think of those that came against Him and His response to them and the humility he went to the cross he didn't have to he did that for you and I so meekness and humility kindness patience Whew, patience that's a hard one Never pray for patience because God will put somebody in your life that will make you be patient with them. Patience. And if one, oh, excuse me, patience, bearing with one another. Whew. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes that bearing with one another, that seems to be the hard part. That, that, that you know what? Everybody in here has something that gets on somebody else's nerves. And my wife said, Amen. Every one of us has something. Some, some character trait, 
some, some, something that we do that gets on somebody else's nerves. We are to bear with one another. To, to bear is to lift up, to carry, to hold up. So we bear one another. We hold each other up. We, we, we have long-suffering. I think greater than the word patience, to define it as long-suffering. That's what that word patience means. But, but we do that for one another. We bear each other, and we bear each other's burdens. We bear each other's little idiosyncrasies, and we love through it. It says, forgiving each other. If you have a hard time forgiving someone, you know an easy gauge? Think about what all Jesus has forgiven us of. If we think about the, the, the greatness and the depth of the love of Christ, that he went to the cross, that he took our sins on the cross, that we could be fully forgiven for everything that we have done. If we think about that list of things that we have done against him that took him to the cross, how can we not forgive one another? And not just that, forget. If we hold on to it, have we really forgiven someone? And I, hey, I'm guilty of this. If we're holding that grudge, have we really forgiven anyone? Forgiveness means that we have fully let it go. That, that, that we don't even think about it anymore. That, that, that we can go to that person in love. I, I was watching a, a, a show um, on ESPN, and, and this this young man who uh, was drafted um, into the NFL, his uncle, his mother's brother, killed his father, murdered his father, uh, just when he was nine years old. And, and this young man said that that he went to his uncle after a long period of time, and that he was able to forgive him. And that here's what he said to his uncle. That we will speak to one another and we will carry on like it never happened. That's forgiveness. Like it never happened. And we forgive. And and, kind of along the same lines with meekness, when we forgive somebody, it, it, it doesn't require their acceptance of that forgiveness. You can forgive somebody without them ever ever wanting your forgiveness or acknowledging your forgiveness. But in your heart, your heart is right. You've done what God would have you to do. And even with forgiveness, again, a lot like meekness, it doesn't mean that you open yourself up to be hurt again. But you can still forgive. You can forgive completely without opening yourself up to be hurt again. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must. It uses that word must. And I, I don't know about y'all, but there's some things that I've held on to a time or two that, that made me miserable. It, it, the other person that I felt like had offended me, it didn't bother them at all. But because I held on to it, it bothered me. It affected me. The word says that we must 
forgive. And it's not necessarily for that other person. It's for us. So that we can be set free. It says you must forgive. And it says above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And I'll be honest with you, apart from love, these other things are impossible. Apart from the love of Christ inside of you and I, these things are impossible. It all flows out of His life inside of us. The love that God has given us, the very life of Christ inside of us, that love that He has revealed to you and I is required for any kind of human relationship to be anything that resembles His love for us. It comes out of His love, not ours. We are incapable of any of these things apart from Christ. We, we, we are all about us. It's all about what I want. What is my desire? What can I gain? What can I get out of this life? What can I get out of this relationship? You ever know somebody like that? Well, we're a lot like that. What can I get out of this relationship? What's in this for me? That's our attitude apart from Christ. That's the world's attitude. There is no relationship in this world apart from Christ that isn't about what is in it for me. Love. Love binds everything together. Love is the glue that holds all relationships together. That love of Christ that is inside of you and I. In perfect harmony. Now that's a good place to be right there. Can you imagine that? Perfect harmony. Peace comes from that. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which you were indeed called in one body. Now this peace, I think, takes on a couple of different looks. One, the peace that is in our hearts that it talks about there, that that peace that God wants for you and I, that, that when we have love and, and that we look at our relationships and, and Christ is directing everything and there's kindness and there's meekness and there's humility and all of these things, regardless how another individual feels about us, we have peace. We have peace in our heart. That we're doing what, what He would have us to do. That we're reacting to other individuals the way he would have us to react. That gives us peace. But also peace within the body. God desires peace within this body that meets in this place. And not only just this body, within the body as a whole. And it says to let peace rule. That word rule is the same thing as, as to judge. It, it, it's, it's like a a judge in the Olympics that's making the decision about which athlete did whatever it was supposed to do, uh, you know, the best. Or an umpire that makes the decision, that makes the call during a baseball game. When there is something that must be decided, when there's something that, that you have to go one way or the other, look at it in this light. Will peace rule on which side? If I make this decision, does it bring peace or if I make this decision, does it bring division? Always rule on the side of peace. The peace in your hearts must rule. It must be the deciding factor. It must be the judge that peace 
would be kept in the body and in our hearts. It says to let the peace rule in your hearts. 